Welcome to EB5 Unplugged. We're live and loaded from our offices in downtown Dubai. I am Shay Zamanian, your host and the director of the American Legal Center. Your first point of venture when considering the EB5 program as we're your active guides from A to Z. Let's meet today's guests, Brian and Haya. You guys are here all the way from DC. Brian, you're from DC. Haya, you're based out of Egypt. And you've, you've joined us here today to talk more about the EB-5 a Capital Regional Center. Correct. So we've been working together for over a decade now. And I would definitely put you guys up on my short list of the better regional centers within the EB-5 uh, community. And so I'm so happy to have you guys here. So just let's kind of get to know you guys a little bit more. So, um Brian, you were the member uh, membership chairman of IIUSA, among other sort of roles that you've taken on. You've gone to the better universities, uh, such as Cornell and Georgetown. Um, you're a soccer dad. You like to ski. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you spent some time in China. So that's a little bit. I want to know a little bit more about that, because back in the day, you know, about 15 years ago or so, it was like the wild, wild west when everyone just went to China, as over 80% of all EB-5 applications were coming from China. What do you remember from those days? And how does it sort of differ from the community and atmosphere today? Sure. Everyone has a uh, crazy origin story to get into EB-5, so mine's no different. Um, I was living in uh, New York City after college for five or six years. Uh, I was teaching in Brooklyn. Uh, two friends of mine and I decided to quit. Uh, we moved to China just on a whim. Um, no money, no belongings, no no anything. I love that. Um, you know, we were young, uh, young and hungry. Went to China, um, taught there, traveled, had fun. Um, I got into EB five in a very very unique way. So I was. Uh, teaching uh young kids and i met their parents and one of them was uh a man from belgium who had different businesses in china um he owned factories he owned car washes and over time he uh invited me onto his team because i could speak chinese for for you know these decent you know Standard of you did or you did you did I did I, I suppose so you I, speak Mandarin I do I'm not okay. not as good as as my team thinks that I do okay. but I, I do a little bit that's big and um, we were working with actually next door to this office is a company called Sinopec I saw big oil and gas company in China um, we were doing meetings with Sinopec and one of the top guys at Sinopec asked me at a dinner said hey I want to move to America. And this was 2008, and EB-5 was not on the map at all mm-hmm. back then. And that's how I got to EB-5. And that was the time when, you know, we're in the downturn of the global economic crisis. So it was really the beginning stages of EB-5 yeah, you got in. Before 08, developers didn't need money. Exactly. There was, their banks were lending. There was equity everywhere. Uh, the recession came, and then I was in China and developers needed money, and regional centers were starting, and that's kind of how it all came together. So right place, right time, right conversation, Correct. and then you ended up in China. A little bit of luck. Yeah, I've heard a lot of um, 
interesting stories about the wild wild west where you had like basketball players famous basketball players show up to eb5 conferences trying to pitch the eb5 um and of course we had projects such as hudson yards just yeah. vacuuming up all the clients so it must have been a really exciting time and so compared to those times where are we now and where are we sort of heading towards yeah the program's a lot better space than i think back then right you had the the, the biggest sexiest craziest project with yeah. celebrities and um and it didn't lead to safety often definitely right? and now you have less regional centers uh almost all of them are independent regional centers that only protect the investor right not affiliated with the developer and there's a there's a true focus on security of capital security of green card and really care for the investor. Absolutely. So I just want to spend um, maybe a minute talking about this specifically. About a year and a half ago, uh, Congress got together to bring and implement new changes to strengthen the program. Some of those changes included uh, the fact that there needs to be greater accountability on behalf of the regional center, greater transparency in having to report uh, and follow your regional center, provide your financials, let the uh, administrators know if there's any big changes within the structure of your regional center. And because of these regulations, it's become harder for a lot of sort of medium or fray players within our community. And so for that reason, there's been a reconciliation where a lot less people have been in the space. A lot of people have dropped off. And the better players are now able to sort of step forward and shine even better. Yeah, it hasn't for the for the groups I work with you uh, over the past you know decade plus hasn't changed all that much because all the all the protections that are now enforced today we did them back then anyway. True, uh, it's just more you know more time consuming, more expensive. We have a team. I don't know how how many people do we have? Forty five. That's uh, a very good point. It's it's a big number. For this is all we do, right? Other groups they do real estate sales, or they maybe have developed or offer. We just do B five. That's all we do. And to do it right, you need you need forty people. I I I could not agree with you more. I think you need to be laser focused on specifically what it is that you're doing. You know, us based in our offices here in Dubai. If we were pitching, uh, you know. Uh, Greece and Portugal and all sorts of things. It, it it creates a little bit of confusion when you're comparing, you know, all these different programs. You guys are laser focused on the EB five. We're providing, you know, uh, fantastic projects and have been doing so um, for quite some time. And yes, and of course, us here in Dubai, uh, we consult on just the EB five program. So I think that matters. Um, you know, when you go to an Italian restaurant, you don't expect to eat sushi, do you? So if you're looking for something very specific, why not go to the market leaders um, in doing that? So uh, with that, I want to go over to Haya. Haya, you are the client relations manager for EB5 Capital and the clients coming out from this region, which is the Middle East and North Africa. So uh, you've been working with us for quite some time and helping a lot of our clients. And so when there's questions in relation to the project, um, you are the first point in venture for the client to be able to ask questions, get more reporting from you. And you guys have been very helpful in that. 
So uh, what do you see that might be different for the investors and clients coming out of this region versus, you know, other regions, either, you know, Europe or Asia? How are we sort of different coming from this region? Okay, thank you, Shay. So um, I've been with 85 for a little over five years now, and I manage the investors that are coming from the MENA region. Um, the majority of our investors here, they tend to do their due diligence, um, spend a lot of time reading like the project documents. Um, they attend a lot of seminars. They use all of the online resources to try and educate themselves. Um, they read a lot online, which could be a good thing, could make it more challenging for us, um, later on. So in general, there's a lot of similarities, of course, but I feel like investors here, um, definitely take more their time before proceeding. The process itself could take up to like six to 12 months before joining, completing the investment and There is a greater lead time. And I think all those things that you're saying are positive. I, I agree with you. The people coming from this region are asking really good questions. Mm -hmm. And I love nothing more than the clients to come in and ask the best types of questions. I think a lot of the troubles that we had with EB-5 15 years ago back in China. They weren't asking enough questions. I'd rather go over all the questions before they subscribe and make the investment than come three years later uh, having them ask me how do I get my money Exactly. And I think um, some of the things, the, the, the bad stories that we've heard from the EB-5 community come from these pockets where people maybe weren't able to even ask the high level of questions. Why? Because at the time when EB-5 first came about, you had documents that were only provided in English, right? And so when you have 80% of the applications coming from uh, China and they don't speak the language, they're just offered the opportunity to get to the U.S. at a ticket price. Um, I think that allowed uh, a lot of leeway for regional centers to cause issues. And it's issues that we still need to deal with because clients, you know, might do a lot of Googling, as you said, and would ask us, you know, is this true? Does these things happen? We can talk about the positives of the EB-5 space as much as we want, but I want to address also... Um, Maybe some of the negatives, because as a matter yeah. of logic, there's better players such as yourselves, and then there's, you know, people that are not the better players. Yeah, I, I always tell investors, first thing you should do is Google. Google us, Google me, uh, Google our CEO, Angelic Bruner, um, Google our projects, and just do your own research. I, I think investors here are now in a much better place than 10 years ago, because now you have regional centers with massive track records. True. Right? We've done 40, we're opening our 40th project. So we've done 40 projects, um, haven't lost money, haven't lost green cards, and that's all verifiable um, just with a, you know, a minimum amount of research. I think back then, um, there were six projects, there were seven projects in your track records, you're not sure, and they also didn't go through the whole life cycle. We've had projects that have repaid. We we have nearly 15 products that have repaid. Um, we have 2,500 investors. We have investors from 75 countries. So once you, you know, see a 15 year track record, 
um, I think investors will feel a lot more comfort. When clients are looking at EB-5 and are, they are embarking on this new process, sometimes they don't know the right questions to ask. For example, they wouldn't even know to ask, for example, have you gone through the entire life cycle? How many clients have you actually paid off in full? Have there been instances where projects have failed? And so um, you guys make our lives easy because, you know, what we do uh, out of our offices here in Dubai is we help the client formulate the questions that you should be asking. We don't, you know, we don't work for one particular project or anything like that. We're here to consult for the client. But thankfully, you know, with you guys, as we've been working for over a decade with each other and um, uh, thankfully we haven't had any uh, mishaps. So all of our clients have been happy. <laughs> Um, so yes, uh, you know, the takeaway, uh, I would, I would present to the audience, to the, uh, the client that's looking to embark on this path is let us help you formulate the right questions to ask. And it's okay to not know the right questions to ask, because obviously this is new to you. Um, and you shouldn't be shy through this process, which then takes us to the next segment. So what we're going to do is rapid fire question for Brian. All right. So you've got milliseconds. Uh, so I'm going to fire away questions and you're going to have to come up with answers straight away. All right. All right. Are we ready? Okay. Let's get the clock going. We've got 60 seconds here. All right. Ready, Brian? What is your biggest accomplishment? Uh, helping build this fantastic team. What is a memory that makes you smile? Um, time skiing with my dad. Biggest pet peeve? Uh, typos. <laughs> Favorite things about being president of EB5 Capital Regional Center? The people I hire. Oh. What languages do you speak? Chinese uh, and English, of course. Give me one word. How do you describe success? Um, when you can look at a client in their eyes and you can say we did the right thing by you i like that um aside from dubai what is your dream destination Ooh, cairo okay <laughs> waiting for you hi is based out in cairo so um if you weren't in the current profession and i ask myself this from time to time what would you be doing basketball coach okay Okay, we've we hit time, um, so we'll just leave wait, it at wait, that. Wait a couple more. One, All right, okay. Last one. We got to go quick. If you could swap lives with a celebrity, who would it be? Ooh, wow. If I can swap lives. This is why we've lost time. Next one. All Pass. right. Interesting facts uh, about yourself. Give me one fact that nobody knows about you. Nobody from the office knows about you. I like to bake. Okay. We're all getting cookies later. What is your dream car? Range Rover. Oh, I like that. Okay. Um, if you, oh, I love this one. And this is something that I ask uh, to anybody. So if you had all the money in the world, what would you do with it? I would uh, donate to those in need. Okay. Well, thank you. And that uh, is the end of our uh, rapid roundup. Okay. So let's kind of get back to the substance of our discussion today. Um We've talked about, you know, how you've decided to enter the EB-5 space. We've talked about the Wild Wild West. How did you know that EB-5 Capital, not Regional Center? Of course, you were there from the very beginning and helping it grow. But how did you know that this was your path? And who was it that was with you 
throughout that trajectory? Yeah, that was so. That was uh, our founder, uh, Angelique Bruner. I met her in two thousand nine um, through IUSA. We were we were both members. She was just building up her business. She needed a partner. Um, she you've met her multiple times. She's been to Dubai yeah. more than once. Um, she is a kind of a godfather, a godmother, EB5. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, she's the reason why I'm here. Uh, definitely a vanguard within the EB5 space. So, Angel, if you're out there, um, hello is from Dubai and we miss you. Come and see us soon so we can get you on our podcast. Yes. Um, okay. And so with EB5 Capital, how do you maintain the reputation? Because... Your competitors, I'll be straightforward with you, as I work with your competitors, everyone's looking to take a stab at, you know, and to try and break uh, perhaps the notion of your impeccable track record. So, you know, keeping that, having having sort of uh, a reputation is one thing, but keeping it for over a decade is another. So how do you ensure that? What are some of the safeguards? Talk to me about that. Yeah. Great question. So a couple answers. Um, first, it's our team and our people. We've, we've had incredible longevity. Um, High has been with us five years, but we have people that have been here 10 years. And I think turnover really hurts our competitors. When you have someone one or two years, they leave. We have people that have been here a long time, and that's because we treat them well. Um, second thing, I think it's more about not what we do, but what we did not do, right? So we passed on lots of projects that we knew would fail. Yeah. Um, we kept it very, you know, simple. Ha half of our projects, or more than half, were just multifamily projects in Washington, D.C., kind of neighborhood by neighborhood. That's been your bread and butter. Uh, Medium-sized projects with developers that you know well. Developers that you, that you trust, Um Having banks in the deal is, is very important. Um, keeping the EB5 size moderate, not too high, not too... You don't want it too low because then you have no power. Right. You don't want it too big because then it's, it's you know, too big. Um, and keep it and choosing the right real estate asset class and the right location. And, you know, for every deal that we bring to you, that we bring to Dubai, we've, we've bypassed 15 of them. So I think it's just, you know, slow and steady wins the race, right? We, we, we never tried to do the sexiest, biggest project in V5. We just tried to do good, stable, vanilla project. You bring a good point. Haya, what would you like to add? I also wanted to say that there were times where we didn't have any open, we didn't have available projects. And as some of the investor relations team, we would go to Brian, like, we need a project, we need a project now. But there weren't any like the investments team was not ready with a project at the time and we ha we had no project for like two three months and that didn't put any pressure on them to just accept any, any project, any project right. to, to have something in the market so definitely yeah that's that's a that's a uh blessing and a curse also because when we don't have a project and you and your clients wait two months and then we have one out they sell out pretty quickly. They do. They do. So that's that's definitely one thing that I want to sort of talk about within the EB5 industry is if something seems, first of all, too big 
one thing that you didn't do is to do these mega projects that are unwieldy. Uh, it would take, you know, uh, a monstrous institution to refinance and to repay back investors. One thing that you guys have done well is, um, you know, stick to medium-sized projects that are manageable. Um, and that's maybe one thing that investors out there should watch out for is anything that seems uh, too glitzy, too out there, too much attention might not be the best deal on the market. And so uh, that's definitely one thing that we do um, with our clients is when they come in and meet us in our offices in downtown Dubai is we do compare and we look at the fundamentals of the project. Does it actually make sense? Um, there's a lot of uh, red flags that throughout the years I've seen with different projects. You know, those, for example, they'll talk about developer equity, right? The developer is putting in $50 million of their own funds. Well, how are they pledging that? Well, they own the land, don't they? Right. And then you do a valuation on the land from a third party and it's only yeah. worth, you know, cookies, yeah. which you're going to bake later. Yeah. So let me add two things on that. So, so, uh, we did do one very glitzy project, the Rich Carlton in New York. Correct. Um, I'm very proud of that project. Yeah. That was made in Maine, New York City, Marriott, Rich Carlton. You just can't, you can't, you can't beat that. We can talk about the Ritz-Carlton, New York City. Uh, that is a perennial project that I talk to my investors about when I refer to what is a, a nice example of an EV-5 project. I think back in 2018, a lot of our clients, uh, yeah, and so clients were able to get their approvals. Uh, the hotel is up and running, which is important because in the midst of all of this, we did have COVID. We did have an opportunity for projects and regional centers to sort of fall back on their promises. But you guys stood true. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, some of your own personal um, funds were placed into the project to ensure the longevity and the success of that project. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, we've done a lot of hotels, a lot of Marriott's. Um, and the ones that we did right before the pandemic went through tough times, like every hotel in the world. Right. Um, we put some money of our own money in some of them to kind of help prop them up. Fortunately, now that we're post-pandemic, uh, they're doing great, and the hotel industry is thriving again. Absolutely. And notwithstanding um, sort of the waves in the economy, correct me if I'm wrong, you haven't had a failed project? Nope. Uh, no bankruptcies? We were lucky that the Ritz-Carlton was going through construction during COVID. Yeah, Thank that's God. true. That's true. And if it had opened in the winter of 2019, it, it would have been a little dicey, but it was um, it was also a three-year construction build. So it's a big project. So, yeah. So when we discuss, you know, how do you maintain your reputation, we've learned a few things. Okay, keep within a recipe, perhaps the medium-sized projects with developers that you understand. That's one. Two, if need be, um, you know, you've personally gotten active and ensuring the funds were necessary for the project. If that means investing in your own capital, you've done so. And three, also, I mean, it's maybe a little bit of luck. The fact that the Ritz-Carlton was going through construction during COVID. Everyone, everyone needs luck in this world. Correct. But what I do understand about luck is the harder you work, the more you seem to have. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I agree. 
Okay. So in terms of the regional center, is there any sort of takeaways? What would you like to present to that investor that's considering EB-5, unsure about it? Uh, maybe some last remarks about the regional center. Well, I would say to an investor, I think if you find a good consultant like yourself and you find a good regional center, uh, and like you mentioned, there might be five in the industry with that kind of track record and you have a good immigration lawyer, that's important as well. True. If you have those three, you're 90% there. Kate sends her hellos and her fondness. Um, you're, you're, you're there, right? A consultant, regional center, immigration attorney. Um, you have to have a way to get your funds out of wherever they're from. An interesting part of this market is that clients are born in so many different places. Mm -hmm. Your funds are in so many different places. So it's not the same recipe each time. Um, and then, um, you need a little bit of faith and a little bit of trust in B5 that the people that you work with are good people. And uh, we always offer up our past investors to new investors who want to have phone calls or video calls uh, just to say, hey, how did it go for you? Yep. And this is also not going to like a short relationship. This is like a seven-year relationship. So I always tell investors, after you invest, it's not like, We'll never talk again. We're we're constantly in contact post investment. Um, so yeah, you just have to invest with a regional center that you feel most comfortable with. You're right. It is a long journey. It's at least a five year journey. Um, and you know, Brian, you mentioned faith. You've got to have faith. Um, that's without a doubt. You you have to finally instill trust in uh, you know a consultant, attorney of record, regional center. There's a lot of players here and you've got to trust all of them. How do you even begin to create and instill that trust within the clients? Um, one thing that I will tell a lot of our clients that come and see us and, and ask sort of what is the best project or how do I know if I'm doing the right thing? Um, you know, maybe it isn't just trying to find out the person's intentions. So with EB5 Capital, I understand their intentions um, as I've gotten to know them for a decade. It's not always about the intention. I think um, it's also just experience, right? When hiccups happen, and at times they do happen, who is the best equipped to deal with these hiccups? Congress enacted new rules a year and a half ago, and it wasn't but for the bigger players that were able to navigate all these changes that came. So uh, I wouldn't always look at, you know, this guy seems really nice. I got a good vibe from this project. It's not about that. It's about experience. Do they have experience in going through that full circle, which is, again, the repayment of the clients, approvals on everything, not just I-526E, but now A29, which is even more important. Uh, another thing you brought up is the capital stack, right? So what is the capital stack? It's a financial term that describes... You know, you've got a Marriott Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. There's a lot of different people that are putting money into the project. Um, for example, the developer is saying, I'm going to put in $50 million of my own cash. And then you mentioned a bank loan. So if Bank of America is lending $20 million on that project, that's a positive thing, right? Because it's a second set of eyes on that project. Uh, and of course, there can be the EB-5 uh, portion where... 
foreign investors such as yourself would be investing uh, into that project. Usually we like to see a maximum of what, maybe 40% coming from investors abroad. The rest should be covered by the developer themselves or a bank loan, correct? We're probably right now 40% bank and call it 40% me 5 and 20% sponsor. Um, maybe three years ago it was 50, 60% bank, right? Right. Uh, developers like to max out the bank because it's usually cheap. It's cheap, quick, easy money, right? It's already there. We, Bride and Hyde don't have to go out to Dubai and China and Taiwan and raise it and syndicate it. It's just there. It's ready to go, which is why you'll, you'll almost always see B5 behind a bank, right? In the second position. Um, but that can change because if bank rates are increasing, we might see B5 in the first position now. So let's see what happens. Fluid. It yeah. seems like, you know, the trajectory is to stay kind of where we're at, if not maybe sort of teeter down in time in terms of the federal rates. But you brought up a really good point. You know, EB5 is expensive because clients ask, you know, why am I not getting 8% return on this stuff? Well, if you're getting 8% return, why doesn't the developer just then take funds just entirely from the bank and not have to do, uh, you know, the fundraise and, and to do, you know, all this government yeah. reporting and all this sorts of stuff. So uh, that may be one of the reasons why, you know, clients get uh, maybe at most 1% return. I've seen projects that, you know, repay back or claim that they'll repay 12 or 13%. This is all a red flag. Um, yeah. If, you know, a, a general, a stable investment in the U.S., right? Not in the emerging markets where we sort of reside, but in the U.S., if you're getting 6 7 or 8%, that's wild. That's amazing. But for you to have a secured or guaranteed investment at anything even beyond that, and to throw an immigration component in there, I think that's definitely a red flag and you should watch out for. Yeah, we're looking to fill the gap, right? So developer will max out the bank. Developer will have their own cash and land. So it's that middle piece. Right. And without EB5, that middle piece, that second piece, you might call it mezzanine or preferred equity, that could be 15%. If we charge 15%, they'll never use us. Just they'll use a fund that already has money. It's not ready to go. The only way EB5 works is if we cut our rate. Right. Big time. Now developers love us. If we cut our rate, we have to cut investors rate. Well, here's the thing is, is you're coming in at a discount, but there are also, you know, why would the client, you know, still go with it in terms of, um, you know, they're getting a discount. Yes. But there's also costs to the developer because EB5 construction is different than regular construction. Sometimes if they have the means, they can finish the construction cycle in you know, perhaps uh, 14 months. But because it's EB-5 and because there's government reporting and job creation fundamentals, they have to spread the construction over perhaps sometimes a year and a half, two years, if not more. Is that correct? Yeah, it's also very, it's, it's very costly to do this business correctly with all, with all the reporting, all the requirements with the RIA. Um, we have a fund administrator that we have to work with we have securities council, we have immigration council, we have real estate council. 
Um, we have to fly around the world and meet, it, it's a, to do it right. Um, it's an expensive proposition for sure. And this is really not the investment to only focus on profit. This is what I tell the majority of our investors. I think when you're investing in EV5, the true cost of the green card is from going there. So don't focus on interest rates. Don't go work with a regional center that doesn't have a good track record that needs to offer you high interest rates to attract the investors. Because then, yeah, you're getting 8 or 10%, but you're risking your contribution. You're absolutely correct. I think the client, you know, your, your main objective is to get your green card, get it quickly, and get your money out. And then go off and make an investment where your immigration is not tied in. I often say 6% of nothing is nothing. Exactly. So protect your capital first. Protect your capital first. Um, where are we headed? So you guys have new projects coming out. So maybe give us a sneak peek into your pipeline. What's coming out? What locales? Sure. We are trying to have two pipelines. One, high employment. One rural. Um, we just had our first rural project recently. It sold out very well. Um, we're still looking to do multifamily in, in major markets. We have one in Atlanta. We have one in Miami. Um, obviously, Washington, D.C. Rural projects are a little more difficult. You have yeah. to kind of, it's a diamond in the rough, um, which is why we were, we were one of the last ones to the rural game. Mm -hmm. We saw 50 of them. They didn't, they didn't meet our standard. Um, we have a few around ski resorts that we're doing. We have a uh, amphitheater that we're doing. We have some Marriott hotels that we're doing. Um, so we're trying to have both options for, for clients. I sense coming from the region, clients ask for rural. Uh, this has been the push, but you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Correct me. Please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, as we're all here to get educated on the topic. But you know, rural might not be the best bet because uh, TEA, for example, is you guys just got an approval in 15 or 16 months. So the ability to get an, a quick approval is, you know, around the same as rural and TEA. Yeah, you might get a rural one in eight months. You might get a high employment one in 13 months. Um, so is the extra five months worth maybe a lower quality of projects? That's exactly what I want to talk about. That's how the client needs as well. If someone already has their kids here in school and they're not really in a rush to move to the U.S., they can wait a year and a half, then why should they choose rural? Well, now we've got concurrent filing, which bridges that gap anyway. Uh, but one thing I'll say about rural which, um, you know, in our previous discussions, you guys seem to be on board. You're not going to just jump the gun just because of the rush or demand for rural. You're going to look for quality projects. And I think based on my observance of, you know, rural projects that are out there, the issue is, is that if you're pumping 40 to $100 million into barren land, and that's why it's called rural, because there's nothing there, how are you going to recapitalize on that? If there is not, if you're trying to build housing somewhere where previously housing was not there, perhaps the market's telling you don't build housing there, right? Otherwise, the market yields and people would have already done that. So that's one thing to be careful with this idea and this push for rural, as I've seen a lot of other regional centers push for this. Does the project make sense ultimately here? 
Can you recapitalize, get your funds back? Um, the, the rurals that we're doing um, are really centered around tourist destinations. We're at the ski, we ski resorts. We did one in Vermont. We're going to do one in Utah. Vermont ski resort. Uh, yeah, not that one, but um, a better one. Um, and then and then other kind of resort type. Um, you guys have been amazing. So any last um, uh, wishes for our viewers out there? Any sort of... We love working with you. We Thank love you, Matt. We love your team. Thank you. Uh, love, love working with you. We love your new office. Um, and we love coming to Dubai. Yep. Hopefully we'll get you guys. Well, you're going to come a lot more often, Brian. We'll get you guys coming out more often. Um, so again, if you're looking to embark on the EB5 path, uh, definitely our number is just right here below. It'll magically appear. Uh, and please reach out. Have a meeting with me. Our first consultation's free. Let's talk about what your needs and wants are. Let's talk about, you know, um, the future plan, the multi-generational plan for your future kids and how we're going to get you there. Um, and I'll help you sort of devise the right questions to ask when you're looking at different regional center projects. Thank you everyone for being here and we thank you. And that's a wrap to EB5 Unplugged. Oh,